Today's show is brought to you by Rich Nutrients, New Zealand's premier provider of nutrient-dense whole food products. One of my current favourites is their organic beef and turmeric bone broth powder. And the reason for that is it's so convenient, you don't have to go through the whole process of actually making bone broth. And it's super tasty. If you visit their page, richnutrients.co.nz, click onto the shopping page and you'll find a Best Me tab. Under this tab you'll find all of the products that I use and recommend. Now as a Best Me listener, you have the opportunity to receive 10% off all orders over $30, which is a pretty decent discount. All you have to do is enter the Best Me discount code at the checkout, which in one word is Best Me, all in capitals. I hope you enjoy their products as much as I do. You can also find me at HealthFit Collective, which is exactly how it sounds, a collective of health and fitness practitioners, including physiotherapy, psychology, nutrition, we have movement coaches, personal trainers, massage, and much more. Our goal is to guide your dreams to reality, and we do this both within the club and online, offering tailored health plans, small group training, specialist services, corporate wellness, and education. So please go along and visit the page healthfitcollective.co.nz to find out more. You can also book a free 30-minute consultation with no strings attached. Welcome to Best Me Radio. I'm your host, Carl Hammington, and I talk to experts in many areas, including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people who have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information inspiration and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Welcome back Best Me community and thanks again for joining me on episode 8. How did that happen? Um, Before we get to what this episode is about, I just want to say thanks to all of the amazing people that filled up the restaurant on Monday for the Wild Food and Foraged event and thank you so much for Chef Diffin for really putting on uh, quite a masterpiece in food. Um, it was really quite an experience and the feedback so far has been phenomenal. So go along and check out the social media, Facebook, uh, Best Me Facebook page and the Instagram page as well, that's Best Me Community, you can search that and I've put up photos and there's a really cool video that my friend Josiah from Firetail put together um, that really captures the essence of um, foraging and all of the things that I, I present about and, and love about it. So please check that out. And thank you for everyone that's been rating me on iTunes. It really does mean a lot. And obviously this doesn't make me money, um, but it helps me grow. It helps me spread the message. And hopefully it's helping a lot of people step into their best self. So by rating me uh, on five, with five stars on iTunes really increases that audience. So it really means a lot. If you get a chance and you're listening to this, I'd really appreciate it if you can uh, spare that time to do that. If not, I totally understand. <laughs> now to this episode... Um, today, I'm very excited about this one, and this is uh, with Sally Fallon Morrell, who is the head of the Western A. Price Foundation. And you may have realized that Dr. Western A. Price has been referenced three or four times already by multiple guests uh, on the show, and how he really pioneered uh, longevity and food, tracing uh, some of his uh, some of these modern day uh, research topics such as uh, you know fats, real food, and fermentation back to their ancestral roots, why they were so good for us, and how when we deviate from these tracks and these ways of being, how they can just be catastrophic for our health. So a lot of gold in this one, and Sally, uh, being the head of the Western A. Price Foundation, they've done some incredible research um, after Dr. Western A. Price, and they've really continued to pioneer 
um, uh, you know, these techniques. We talk about this a little bit at the beginning. So a lot of gold there. Get your notebook out. Please record um, some notes. Give me some feedback and we'll tune in next time. Enjoy. Today and once again, we have a very special guest and someone who has influenced uh, my learning um, for a period of time now, and that's the co-founder and president of the Western A. Price Foundation, Sally fallon Morell. Now, Sally, other than being the co-founder and president of the Western A. Price Foundation, has a degree from Stanford University and a degree from UCLA. She has co-authored with Mary Ng, uh, Nourishing Traditions, a very influential and powerful book that I own, Eat Fat, Lose Fat, Nourishing Broth, The Nourishing Traditions book of Baby and Child Care, which I'd like to dive into a little bit today. Sally is also a renowned presenter and educator, respected for providing accurate and understandable explanations of fats, soy, and traditional diets. Welcome to the show, Sally. Uh, thank you, Carl. Now, I'd just like to quickly share with the, uh, with the audience how you and Western A. Price's um, work has influenced my development and, I guess, what I do now. Uh, I actually saw you talk in Wellington uh, quite a few years ago now. I don't know if you remember coming mm, yes, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been to, I've done two tours in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, it was. Actually, it was. you know, it's funny, but New Zealand has the highest percentage of members per person and the highest percentage of chapters per person. Is that many right? In the world, yes. Oh, I feel and very proud right now. <laughs> you don't have many people. No, <laughs> no. Yes. So I think you have about 12 chapters and about 300 members. Fantastic. And, you know, compared to your population, that's the highest percentage. So oh, good wow. old New Zealand. That's yeah. great. And I just heard uh, recently that Wellington is the barefoot capital of the world as well. So <laughs> two reasons right. to be proud of us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, but for me, it was a, you know, I'd, I'd been introduced to Western A. Price's work through one of my mentors, um, Dave Leo. I don't know if you know him personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very powerful. And when I heard, heard you talk, you just explain things in such a um, powerful and digestible uh, way, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> and that sort of started my, my real passion for food, I guess, because mm-hmm. I started to understand, um, you know, what we were meant to eat and yes, right. how we were meant to prepare foods. And, and not only did I feel better eating this food, um, but I understood true flavors and... I also was able to express my creative side a little bit too, you know, making my own fermentations. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I, soon, I, was, I was soon the local weirdo, you know, with my... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The demented fermenters. Yeah, which we call them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm totally a demented fermenter. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. I got myself a cow share. I started making my bone broths. Oh, um, lovely. I started awful. It was, it was great. And um, I really enjoy enjoyed and enjoy sharing that with other people you know um how real food can be so tasty and so fun to prepare and experience as well we're actually developing a series of memes called yes you can about the wise (laughs) traditions diet and that is really our new focus that this diet you don't have to leave anything out it includes all the food groups you can yeah. have sauce you can have salt yep uh, good fats so it's a delicious diet and there's no need to cheat on this diet because everything's yeah. in it and it's really a satisfying diet yeah well i found it a really easy a really easy diet you know if you even want to mm-hmm. call it a diet it's kind of more of a way really Right, right. Um, of eating. I don't feel yes. like I'm missing out on anything. In fact, exactly. it's almost the opposite. You know, I feel like I've got such a, uh, 
a nourishing and um, tasty diet. And people that experience that feel the same. Yes, right. It's it's not hard. No. So <laughs> thank no you. Re- re- no renunciation. I'm not into no. renunciation. So. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, so what I'd like to start with, I guess, is um, looking at who Weston A. Price is um, and what uh, Dr. Weston A. Price, sorry, and what he's found. Actually, first of all, what his purpose was of his research, um, and I'm sure you'll be able to provide us with some insights as to, you know, Um, what he did and what he found. Would you like to share some of that with us? Right. So Dr. Price was a dentist who traveled in the 30s and 40s to remote parts of the world. And he, he really wanted to answer the question, what is a healthy diet? You know, first he wanted to find healthy people. And then he looked at what they were eating uh, so he could answer the question, what is a healthy diet? And he found 14 groups who had perfect dental health. I mean, that was, he was a dentist, so that's what he was looking at. They had no cavities and uniformly very straight teeth and broad faces, big, big jaws, big palates. And when he found the perfect teeth, he also found that these people were perfectly formed. They seemed to be extremely healthy. They had no trouble with childbirth. They didn't seem to have any infectious disease. And they also were extremely resistant to um, pollutants. And we might think, well, their world wasn't polluted. It was actually very polluted because they lived in smoke all the time, whether it was in a thatched house with no chimney or a tent with a fire. Yeah, or a um, igloo with a fire in it. Yeah. Um, they um, they were in smoke all the time, and that, yet they had no lung disease or any any uh, signs of being affected by yeah. this. It was pollution, really. Hmm. So um, the, now the diets were all very different. Whether you know some were Eskimos, some were in the yeah. South Seas, and so they had different foods, but different corners he, of the globe. But what he did, in, rather than say, you know, these are the foods you should eat, he took these foods back to his laboratory and analyzed them for vitamin and mineral content. And basically, the bottom line is these diets were extremely nutrient-dense. They were very high in minerals, and they were particularly high in three vitamins um, that we call fat-soluble vitamins, vitamins A, D, and K. And we get these vitamins from animal fats, from organ meats, from oily fish, uh, from... Uh, egg yolks, cream, butter. We basically get these vitamins from all the foods that we're told not to eat, mm-hmm. but they were the foods that they valued the most highly. Yeah. So uh, that's a very jarring message for many people today. For some people, it's a liberating message. <laughs> but if you're ensconced in the conventional system, it's a very uh, disturbing message because it yeah. basically means that everything that we've been told the last 50 years about how we should eat is wrong. It's not only wrong, but it's, it's harmful to us. Yep. We absolutely need these nutrient-dense animal foods, high-fat animal foods. I feel like um – the Weston A. Price Foundation in some ways, um, in many ways, was so far ahead of the game because it, they're starting to be supported by some pretty solid research and uh, some of the, the flawed research in the past, especially around fats, is um, they're starting to come to the forefront, which is great to see. Well, we hope so. Um, 
you know, we had a little bit breakthrough a couple of years ago where there were some articles in the New York Times and other places. Butter is yeah. back. Yes, <laughs> we but had it wrong. The, yeah, but then came the damage control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that was followed by new studies, quote unquote, just showing how bad butter is and you should <laughs> need butter. And, yeah. and a, a recent example is there was this um, – cardiologist and a completely conventional cardiologist who recommends statins and so forth, but he's heading up a study called the Pure Study, P-U-R-E, and he spoke in Switzerland, and he, he was a very charming man, and he said, you know, fats are not bad, saturated fats are protective, we don't need to reduce salt, carbs are a big problem, um, the dietary guidelines are written by men who don't have to go out and shop and don't know how much vegetables cost. I mean, <laughs> we just went on and on. It was, and it was kind of a, you know, went viral. And you know what? Um, that video has been taken off the internet. I mean, he really got his hand slapped. <laughs> but oh. the truth is out there for a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's this this um, struggle is still going on between. Uh, what I would call the industry and the people who are beholden to the industry, the scientists who get paid by the industry, and the people who don't have those ties. And I think the Weston A. Price Foundation is a real leader here. We like to show the scientific validation of traditional food ways. And although we're not really mentioned very much – or given credit, I think we've had a huge, huge influence. So, in fact, I was reading in the paper this morning, I was reading it out to my husband, and I said, oh, look, at the, Unilever is selling their margarine division <laughs> because um, sales of butter are so high, and they're not making money on margarine and spreads anymore. And I said, you know… Yeah, it's really good to hear, but you know, um, there's no mention of our influence, and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with our our influence. Well, it's quite funny, though, because a lot of people that are leading the charge um, in nutrition, um, you quite often hear uh, they've been influenced quite heavily by the Weston A. Price, um, Price's work, uh, work and his amazing book. Um, I mean, I was talking to Nora Gagaldis, um yesterday, yeah. Uh-huh. and yeah, it was a, it was a huge player for her as well. Yes, it's it's been a very influential book, yeah. and I think the work work that the foundation has done has made his name a household word. Yeah, and introduced a lot of people to his work. Yeah, well, obviously so. in Wellington, it's worked at least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'd just like to have a look uh, a little bit at the changes that Western A. Price uh, documented when these these semi untouched uh, populations moved into a more Western way of living. And when you you know things like uh, white flours, processed yeah. foods, sugars, and hydrogenated oil snuck into their diet. Yes, as soon as they started eating the white man's food, the processed foods, which came in with the missionaries and the traders and yep. the colonists, uh, they started to suffer physical degeneration. And within the children born to the next generation had more narrow faces, crowded teeth. They were prone to cavities. They were prone to tuberculosis. And uh, so within one generation, you saw this physical degeneration. Mm. And uh, there was, I mean, the pattern, he found it all over the world. There were no exceptions. And today we have in the United States, you know, no, it's very, very unusual for a child conceived and born in the United States today to have naturally straight teeth. 
Yeah. If they're eating the Weston A. Price Foundation diet, they do. Yeah. But but otherwise, no. And we have an absolute epidemic of problems in our in this young generation today: asthma, allergies, skin problems, yeah. learning disabilities, digestive disorders, <laughs> behavior problems. Yeah. And infertility as they grow older. And um, I like to say we're at the 11th hour. (laughs) The complete physical degeneration takes several generations. And we are now on that third and fourth generation of processed Mm. foods. And unless we turn this around, uh, there will not be any more people. Because you just can't go more than three or four generations without having complete infertility. And that's what we're seeing today. Well, that was noted with, is it Pottinger's cats? Yes, and that's, Pottinger did this study with cats and gave them a diet that was not appropriate for cats, like everything cooked or yeah. from Basically, uh, pasteurized, pasteurized. Yeah. and uh, within four generations, there were no more cats. They wouldn't. They either didn't breed or the young didn't reach yeah. adulthood. It was really fascinating hearing the changes throughout the generations, and it yeah, was, it was yeah. quite a. It was it, he. He tested. Uh, sorry, Pottinger tested it on a spectrum. Is that right? So there was like a raw foods at, at one end, you know, traditional cat diet, yes. I guess, to yeah. the most highly processed at the other end, where there was you know right. pasteurized uh, milk and. Well, um, it was actually everything. canned condensed milk. Is yeah. that right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was. It was quite extreme. Right, and actually, uh, there was a, there was a study back in the 30s which showed that animals on pasteurized milk became infertile after a couple generations but if you gave them raw milk after the first generation they would the fertility could be restored wow. if you didn't wait too long in one generation just one generation wow. yeah okay yeah. what scares me a little bit about what Weston A. Price noted was the massive change he saw with the introduction of um, what we'd call whole wheat <laughs> um, vegetable <laughs> oils and you know a probably a small amount of sugar as well. And oh, it was c- a lot of sugar. No, it, it all came okay. at once. And the vegetable oils, of course, yeah. <coughs> excuse me, the vegetable oils are completely new to the human diet. Yeah. My goodness, I was at the grocery store today and I, the woman ahead of me checking out had a huge, bo- huge bottle of Wesson oil. No oh. butter, you know, no no lard, yeah. but the Wesson oil. And that, that's the fast track to cancer. Yeah. And, well, heart disease, and and uh, you know when they go to see the doctor, the doctor says don't eat saturated fat, so yeah. they they use the liquid oils, and yeah. these these are carcinogenic. We know oh. that. Well, yeah. you know, I remember you re- uh, referencing this when you spoke, but I can still remember that point in New Zealand where uh, fish and chip shops, for example, not that that's your oh, ideal yeah. staple, yeah. changed from cooking and you know some good fats like. Uh, yeah. Tallow. Tallow, yeah, Mm -hmm. to vegetable oils. And we now cook in vegetable oils. We're so much healthier. (laughs) But you know what? The last time my husband and I were in New Zealand, we stopped twice to see about the fish and chips. And in both cases, they had switched back to tallow. Fantastic. So we bought bought them and enjoyed them. Yep. Yeah, some good South Island cod and uh, cooked yeah. in tallow. You can't beat it. <laughs> so I, I do think they're going back because one, one guy said, I almost lost my business. My customers hated the food cooked in vegetable yeah. oils. Yeah. I can remember um, because we used to have a fish and chip Friday, I think, in my family. <laughs> and uh, I used to really enjoy it. I never really noted feeling bad until this change occurred. And I used to yep. eat 
eat eat these fish and chips and I just feel so disgusting afterwards. Yeah, they um, give you stomachache. Yeah, yeah, I just give you and, and then I have to laugh on television. You'll see an ad for um, uh, antacids. For, yeah. You know, for heartburn, well, it's really indigestion. <laughs> yeah. And then the next ad is for all the processed food. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't even watch ads now. Yeah. <laughs> so toxic. Um. Yeah, but I guess my point before was, you know, the the gradual introduction of hydrogenated oils, processed foods, and sugars. But then you look at the the standard Western diet now, and it's it's so much worse than that. I mean, we've got. Yeah. You know, a, a normal a normal uh, day for most people involves you know cereal, sandwiches, yeah. um, you know, eating from the food cereal. pyramid. Basically. Yeah, and um, and uh, pasteurized skim milk or ultra yeah. pasteurized skim milk, a cereal with sugar on it. Um, oh, that's terrific. Yeah, you know, fast food for lunch. Um, yeah. Pizza for dinner, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people are just are, are my people are just starving. Yeah. And one of the manifestations of starvation is overweight. Yeah. Because the body sa- keeps saying, "You haven't fed me. You put yeah. food in your stomach, but you haven't fed me what I need." So you keep eating and eating, and the body yeah. keeps hoping that it'll get enough to survive. Yeah. Yeah. If just from you eating a lot, whereas if your food is really nutrient dense. Uh, you, yeah. you're, you're satisfied. You're yeah, yeah. Your body isn't crying out for uh, nutrition. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so I mean, you really the, the thought of food should not enter your mind between meals. Yeah. Because yeah. you're full and you know yeah. you're fed and you don't you just yeah. don't think about. It. Can we also cover actually before I go there? I, I can just mm-hmm. I just want to note this from a, a personal perspective. I remember having this discussion. Uh, with someone uh, a few years ago now and she said to me why can't why can't you just this when I just switched over to raw milk why can't you just drink mm-hmm. normal milk and eat eat normal bread and I was like do we really <laughs> want to talk about what real milk and real bread is <laughs> yeah yeah the the raw milk is raw whole milk from pasture fed cows we call that real milk yeah, is, is a miracle food and we've seen seen and heard so many testimonials. We've had yeah. children recover from autism. We've had um, babies who weren't thriving, put them on raw milk and they thrive. We've had uh, women diagnosed with osteoporosis get, get on raw milk, go back on a year later, and the doctor can't find any sign of osteoporosis. We've no. had cavities healed. healed. Yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on. We had an ulcer healed from raw milk. <laughs> So it is a magic food, and of course you're not supposed to say th- that kind of thing. It's woo-woo, you know, magic. But um, it is. There's just no other way to describe it. Could you please just um, inform us on, you know, there is a lot of fear around raw milk and raw food in general. But how many documented cases of people dying from raw milk are there? Well, from liquid raw milk, there's zero. <laughs> uh, uh, from pasteurized milk, there's there's a few. So there's actually more from pasteurized milk. Yeah, um, I, I used to say from any raw milk product produced in the United States, there's been no deaths. But um, there was a recent case where they've accused a raw cheese of causing two deaths. I I don't know if that's been proven, but um, yeah. So, but I can certainly say for the fluid raw milk, there's been no deaths. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. There's a lot more antibodies and um, there's a lot more protective uh, you know, nutrients in the raw milk, isn't there? 
Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the levels, the, you know, if you do an analysis of raw milk versus pasteurized milk, you'd find the same amount of calcium, the same amount of iron. But the body can't use the calcium and the iron properly because the pasteurization has killed all the carrier enzymes that help you absorb it. Yeah. Did you, could you, um, I think you said there was, uh, is there 34 enzymes or something like that and about 33 of them are killed? Is that right in pasteurization? Oh, I don't know if I've said that. There's probably a lot more enzymes than that. Okay, um, they're, they're all killed. Okay, that's, if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the sign of successful pasteurization. Yeah, they're all and, and unsuccess- yeah. it's a recipe for unsuccessful digestion. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and look, um, the, the, um, the milk industry is, is in a tailspin. The um, I read one place that milk consumption has declined 50% in the last 10 years. Uh, I know here in where I live in the state of Maryland, um, we've gone from 6,500 dairies in the 1970s to under 400. And every week we get our little farm paper, there's another dairy that's closed because they just wow. can't make it with today's prices. Yep. And with the, with the model that they're using – where the cows need so much feed and vet bills. Sounds sustainable. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. Um, did I hear right in, in hearing that you have started your own farm? Is that right? Yes, my husband and I have a farm oh, in wow. Southern Maryland. Uh, we have a dairy herd and we make um, raw cheese, oh, different wow. types of raw cheese, and we also sell raw pet milk. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> pet label. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, <pets. laughs> and we feed the whey from the cheese making to our pigs and we have – uh, outdoor chickens and yeah, we, the oh, whole nine yards. Sounds like heaven. How how is it going? May I ask? Is it is it? It's a, going. It's going well. Yeah. Is it very physically laborious? Well, um, you know, we we have a staff here. I, I make the cheese, and my husband does a lot of tractor work. So we're not oh. doing the really hard physical labor. Yeah. That oh, some great. of the other people. I could hear it's going well and yes. spreading the love. That's good. Yeah, spreading the love. Right. <laughs> Can we also touch on? Um, the use of offal, or using the whole beast, I should say, because um, that was something that was noted in, in Western A. Price's work as well, and that's something that you advocate. Am I correct? Absolutely. Um, just actually reading about the Eskimos. So when they killed a seal, first thing they did was uh, cut it open and eat the organs, and the hunter got the first choice, and he would eat the liver, and they, they used a cup to get the blood. They drank the blood. They ate the um, the brain. That's high fat uh, content. Yes. Oh, it's about ninety percent fat. Yeah. And then they would crack open the legs or the big bones and get the marrow, right. which oh, is about ninety percent fat. And uh, the blubber was a very important food for them. It's called muktuk, mm. and they would eat the blubber with the skin. So they, you know, had the skin as well as the meat. And then eventually they would get round to the meat and eat some meat. And um, what they didn't eat, they would cut into thin strips and dry or smoke. And all of the fat from the seal was rendered. None of that was thrown away. And uh, that was spread on the piece of dried meat. They never Mm. ate lean meat. They always ate their meat with the fat. Yeah. And it... It's something you see quite often in, in the wild as well with other animals, isn't it? The the offal um, is quite often one of the first parts to, to go in the beast. Right, right. <laughs> well, the lion will just eat the offal and, and leave the meat for the hyenas. Yeah, so. exactly. 
Yeah. How you contrast so, that. And, and one thing I do like to point out, the organs and the blood and the brain and the marrow, all of that is anywhere from 10 to 100 times more nutritious, more nutrient-dense than the muscle meats. Yeah. So the muscle meats are what you eat when you can't get anything else, but the organ meats were the prize. Now, that's a big step for modern people. Uh, yeah. But there's we've figured out ways. I I always say it's a way of making awful taste good. Totally. Uh, by making you know, pates, we I put the chicken livers in meatloaf. Um, mm. There's just all sorts of ways uh, that you can eat the awful, yeah. and and it tastes good. Yeah, I put it and, in. Uh, you know, I quite often put I, it in meatballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. one thing I'd love to see come back to America, which you can get in Europe and New Zealand, is blood sausage. Yeah. Extremely yeah. Like nutritious. Pudding. Yes, and yeah. by the way, blood is the best source of vitamin D. Okay. It's a really important source of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to come back to what you said about liver. I was going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, but would you like, I mean, liver is a, a bit of a superfood really, isn't it? Oh, it is the number one superfood. Yeah. How can we be talking this, about this? We, re- we recommend liver as the first, first food for babies. That's what they did in all traditional cultures. That's what they did in traditional uh, cultures, but that's what's yeah. been recommended to avoid uh, quite I often. know. They tell you not to eat liver when you're pregnant and not to give liver to your children. This is bunkum. Your, your baby needs that nutrient-dense food. And I can tell you we've had hundreds of babies who fought you know where the parents followed our advice and um certainly breastfed or if they didn't breastfed feed they gave our formula which is made from raw milk yeah and a first uh, weaning foods by six months is pureed liver and then um lightly cooked egg yolks Wow! because those are the two key nutrient-dense foods that give your baby iron b12 b6 zinc um Vitamin yeah. A, vitamin D, vitamin K. I mean, the, the, you get it all from those types of foods. Fantastic. And and what about bone broth? When would you introduce that? Well, you can introduce that pretty early. It shouldn't be the first thing, but um, you can yeah. start mixing the pureed liver with bone broth, mm. uh, give your baby soups, things like that. Fantastic. So I'm getting a bit off track. I'm going to come back to some of that, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the preparation of, I mean, often – especially in the paleo world, grains are recommended to be avoided. Um, But in the Western A. Price approach, it is all about preparation. Am I right there? Right. So again, when we talk about, yes, you can, the wise traditions diet, you don't have to give up grains. Now, uh, I have to say, there are some people today who really have such... Uh, poorly formed digestive systems that they can't do grains. That's unfortunate. But most people can do grains if they're properly prepared. Uh, And that means basically pre-digesting those grains through soaking, sour soaking, or sourdough bread. Uh, Personally, I cannot do bread unless it's a sourdough, and then I have no trouble with it. Yeah, I'm similar. So in in our uh, oatmeal, we soak overnight, and and then we cook it. So, yeah, um, these grains and nuts and seeds need to be prepared beforehand. We just don't have the kind of digestive apparatus that an herbivore has. An herbivore has two to four stomachs. We just have one stomach, (laughs) and we're just not designed for them. You know, a cow, we watch our cows out in the pasture, they have four stomachs. They can eat grass. We we can't eat grass. We get nothing from it. We can't digest it. And the other thing is they eat all day long. (laughs) They have their heads down eating grass all day long, and 
we, we have better things to do than eat all day long. So. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need nutrient-dense food so we don't have to eat too often, and that means the animal foods, especially the organ meats. Uh, the nice thing that happens when you do ferment grains is that they become more nutritious. Yep. Minerals are more available. Uh, there's more B vitamins. Um, lots of things improve. Yeah, I remember looking into this quite a bit. Um, is it um, Sandor Katz? He's, he's got some interesting yes. uh, work yes. on that. And um, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's so much more enzyme-rich, which means it's obviously more digestible. It breaks down a lot of uh, inhibit, inhibiting food or anti-nutrients. Yes, yes, yes um, exactly. And, so. and quite often there's... there's nutrients available after the fermentation process that weren't even present or hardly present beforehand. Is that right? Yeah, or certainly weren't available. For example, yeah. zinc. It's very hard to absorb zinc from grains because it's tied up, it's chelated mm. uh, with phytic acid, and, and your body just excretes it. But once you soak or ferment the grains, then the zinc is available to you. Brilliant. So um, with fermentation, um, what fermentation uh what fermentations did what style of fermentation did weston a price note and what would you recommend well weston price no, didn't note fermentation he wasn't looking for that yep. <laughs> and escaped <laughs> his found. notice <laughs> uh but uh, since his time a lot of work has been done on fermentation um yeah. there was a guy named steinkraus keith steinkraus at cornell and he must have had a <clears> – <throat> he was a food scientist. He must have had a lot of African students, and he became very intrigued with what they told him about how they prepared their food in Africa. So he did this wonderful book called Handbook of Indigenous Fermented Foods. Mm. And not only did he describe how they were made, he has these little flow charts of how they were made, but he also tested them for nutrients before and after. And, you know, amino acids go up, vitamin C goes up, B vitamins go up. So it was really a very important research that he's done. Wow. And again, this is the scientific validation of traditional food waste. Yeah, yeah. Because every, I mean every single traditional diet <clears throat> or native diet, whatever you want to call them, in the world, every single one has fermented foods in it. And hmm. and here's where I really part company with the you know the paleo groups because um, the original writers for the paleo diet never mentioned fermented foods. Yeah. It's just not on their radar screen. In fact, one of them just says, "Oh, they're not worth the trouble, and they're a source of too much salt." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all, I mean, I mean, I think it's I know just, who that is. <laughs> All traditional cultures had fermented yeah. foods, and they also, all but one that I know of had salt. The one yeah. that didn't was the Eskimos. But what was the food that the Eskimos really thought was important? It was Fat. blood. Blood. It was blood. Yeah. And their blood is salty. Yeah. So that's where they were getting their salt. Ah, interesting. Am I right in thinking that the, the Eskimos ate up to 80% saturated fat? Is that right? Well, 80% fat. 80% fat, okay. Now, um, the, the fat, well, there were really three sources of fat for them, the whale, the seal, and the caribou. Oh, yeah. And uh, the whale and the seal, um, th those fats are only 18 to 20% saturated, whereas the caribou fat would be 50 to 60% saturated. But the thing is, they ate so much of this fat. You know, a typical meal would be a kilogram of fat. Yeah. So even though it's only 18% saturated, that's still – that's almost 200 grams of saturated fat per yeah. day. 
Yeah. <laughs> a lot of saturated fat. Yep. So they were okay. getting By plenty of standard, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, were there any other lifestyle factors noticed, uh, noted with Weston A. Price, like, you know, environment, movement, um, tribe, community, things like that? You know, he was not really looking at that. I yep. mean, that's a I mean, you can only note so much. <laughs> only note so much. Um, but the one thing that he did talk about was preparation for childbirth mm. and how they had special nutrient-dense sacred foods, which they started to eat six months before conception. And then they continued wow. those foods through pregnancy, through nursing, and then for the children as they were growing. Like just, I'm on the Eskimo diet right now, and oh, wow. they mentioned that the seal flipper, let's see, yeah, flipper yep. was considered uh, very the best part of the seal, and that was always given always given to the children. Well, the flipper would have more calcium in it. Um, it would have a lot of cartilage and collagen in it, and wow. maybe it was vitamins. I don't know. It would also have fat in it in the flipper. Yeah. And this was given to the children. So there were special foods for children. Uh, the key thing is that during this period of conception and growth, that's when you need the highest nutrition. Um, you know, once you become an adult, you can't go back and grow your body again. It's you, what you end up with is what you what you have, and you can't yeah. change it. Yeah. But they recognized that you needed, you know, really nutrient dense diet for this period. And I always say in my lectures, this is where the primitive people put us to shame because they didn't just trust to nature, you know, that everything would be okay. No, they knew that they had to be proactive and do certain things for the children to be healthy. And I always say when in modern society, when something goes wrong, you know, a child is damaged or not healthy or whatever, we blame it on the three G's, which are germs, genes, and God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we put the blame on somebody else, but uh, you know, it is our responsibility to bring healthy children into the world and to know how to do that. Now, that part, knowing what to do, was much easier in the primitive cultures because everybody did it. And it was yeah. you didn't have to think about it. But today we really do have to think about it and make sure we're doing the right thing because there's so much misinformation out there and we have a huge choice of foods that we can eat, whereas primitive people didn't. They yeah. you know say what was there and what was there was healthy. But today we have to kind of thread our way through this uh, morass of choices between um, very enticing yeah. but extremely unhealthy foods. Well-marketed um, food-like <laughs> yeah, substances. Very <laughs> marketed yeah. or truly healthy foods. And there's nobody out there who's going to advertise those foods on TV. Because yeah, it's not a moneymaker. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but again – um, what what I can say is the Weston Price members who have followed our advice, prepared for pregnancy, eat, eaten these nutrient-dense foods, including liver and butter and things like fish eggs and Yum. raw milk and, and so forth, egg yolks, uh, the rewards are uh, – it's so worth it because these babies are just a joy. They are healthy and – loving and um they meet all their milestones they're cheerful yeah and um it's worth it it's worth taking the effort and you know when 
when you have an unhealthy child and you get caught up in that medical system, it's just tragic. Yeah. Um, I did want to, this leads quite nicely into the next part. I, being a father myself, a father of two two beautiful little girls. Um, oh, rest in price girls, right? What's that? Yep. Yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> From my side, definitely. So, um, this is a subject I take very, very seriously um, because of, you know, the information um, I've been given and also the research I've done myself. Can we talk about what the most important things to get in and out of a, a young child's diet are? Um, okay. But first, by the way, I just I, I didn't quite finish that subject we were talking about. The other thing they did to ensure the children would be healthy is that they didn't have too many children. Yeah. They put at least three years between each child so the mother could recover her nutritional stores. So it was considered shameful to have a child more than once every three Interesting. years. Interesting. That makes yes. sense, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so children today, um, just all the garbage, you know, the sugary processed garbage needs to go. Uh, margarines and spreads, cooking oils, they're just, they're so harmful to the yeah. growing child. Uh, foods high in flavorings, yeah. you know, a lot of MSG, which affects first and foremost the hypothalamus and damages the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus is the master gland and the seat of impulse control yeah um so the, the your babies your ch- growing children they need real food now we, i always like to start with butter because <laughs> yeah. butter is a real food and in new zealand you have the best butter in the world that's good butter <laughs> uh, it would be great it's actually it, yellow <laughs> yeah I know and that means it's really nutrient dense now yeah. it would be great if um, that butter were raw but I know that's almost impossible to get in New Zealand but that's yeah. okay because pasteurization is not so harmful to the fats it's much more harmful uh, to the that's proteins. good to know that was no. going to be a question mm-hmm. okay yeah so butter um, liver yep you start your baby off with pureed liver get your children used to eating pate or liverwurst or something like that a couple yep. times a week eggs and particularly the yolks especially from pastured chickens yeah raw milk if you can get it yeah uh, something we always recommend as a kind of insurance policy is cod liver oil yes so you make sure you're getting enough a and d uh cheese is a really great and important food as a source of vitamin k okay okay raw uh, raw, raw if possible now, what have you noticed about all these foods? They're delicious foods, with the exception of cod liver oil. I I do admit, but you know. I don't mind it. And and, and yeah. my my daughter Brooke, she loves them. She thinks uh, I get these cod liver oil tablets, and she bites them open and really enjoys them as well. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, my grandsons get their cod liver oil in a syringe, and they love it too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you know, it's really not a hard diet. And no. when you put butter on everything. You put butter on their vegetables and they'll eat the, their vegetables. Yeah. You put cream in their soup and they'll eat their soup. I mean, butter makes all these foods uh, so wow. delicious. Isn't this interesting? I look back at my childhood now and I loved butter. I can remember having a butter sandwich once because I craved it so much. Yeah, yeah, and I used to, Yeah, and I used to go to my grandma's house and because I never used to drink milk because I hated mm-hmm. um, trim milk and Kelsey trim milk and mm-hmm. all that uh, food-like uh, stuff. Yeah, substances, um, yeah, right. <laughs> and she used to have uh, the full cream milk and I used to love it. And I can just remember, I used to get really excited about going there to have my, my big glass of full cream milk. It wasn't raw, but it was, uh, you know, full fat milk, and I used to love it. 
Well, that's probably why you craved butter because you needed to balance the reduced fat milk that you were getting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, bacon, bacon, <laughs> bacon oh, yes. anyone? Yeah, that's fine. Bacon's a good food. Yeah. Uh, blood sausage, even with the nitrites great... and preservatives. Well, you want to get as natural as possible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh well, I think that's going to be hard to convince a lot of people to eat more bacon. <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, that's great actually. And I'd look at what scares me a little bit as well when you look into you know epigenetics as well and. I think most of our genes, most of them, not all of them, are set before the age of 12. And it seems like it must be such a key time to, to have these nourishing oh, foods yes. in there. Oh, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. The way the genes express themselves yeah. um, is pretty much set by puberty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I will say this. With this good diet, your kids will go to go through puberty and it's yeah. not going to be a big deal. Yeah. yeah. My, with my kids, it was real easy, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying they didn't have their rebellious moments, That's but that's normal. Yeah. But they weren't – it wasn't just this horrendous thing going yeah. through. Gee. Now, I'm going to um, come back to something you mentioned before, and that was margarine. And yes. I, I remember in, in the talk, you talked us through the process of making margarine. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, so disgusting. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've been uh, within 10 feet of a, <laughs> a pint of margarine since. Could you be able to, um, you know, maybe talk the, the, the listeners through that process or at least oh, okay. part of it? <laughs> oh, okay. So the brown first, smelly sludge part put me off anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So first they get the oil out of the seed and um, – that what comes canola, out of the seed, is, yeah, or see, or uh, corn or yeah. uh, soybeans, and that what, when it comes out of the seed, it's a brown, smelly gunk. I mean, it's just disgusting. Mm. Uh, then they steam clean it, which gets rid of all the vitamins and antioxidants and everything. All the pesticides <laughs> remain, but the vitamins are gone. And then they mix it with a nickel uh, powder, very finely powdered nickel. A lot of people are allergic to nickel. And then it goes into a reactor. It's a huge container, and under pressure and heat, they bubble hydrogen through. And that changes the uh, shape of the molecule. Um, it turns it into a trans fat, which is, um, you know, um, the body doesn't really recognize hmm. it as anything Most it knows. Most substances. Yeah. yeah. And what goes into that reactor is a liquid oil. What comes out is a semi-solid. Actually, I like to say it's a it looks like gray cottage cheese, and it <laughs> just stinks. It just smells so bad. Gray cottage so, cheese, yeah. Yeah. So then they bleach it uh, to get rid of the gray color. They mix it with emulsifiers to um, smooth it out, get the, rid of the lumps, and then they deodorize it to get rid of the horrible odor. <laughs> now, each one of these processes involves a lot of heat. So that's so anything that's alive is not alive anymore. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's creating breakdown products that are really harmful. Yeah. So then you've got, by this point, you've got this white substance that looks like lard, and that's called pure vegetable shortening. And that's what is used in the fryers and in the cookies and the you know all the processed food. Mm. Uh, to make a margarine, uh, a margarine, they add um, a yellow color and some vitamins, and they're not allowed to um, 
the yellow color has to be natural. <laughs> Can't be fake. <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah. And they add fake flavors, though. They can make any type of butter flavor that they add. Yeah. And and so that's how they do that. Now the spreads are not quite like the margarines because they have far lower levels of um, uh, trans fats, but the processing is nevertheless extremely horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems like a common theme, you know, the the further you take something from its natural state, the worse it is for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to come back to an area I know you're very passionate about, and we've already touched on a little bit, and that's fat. Um, yes. Can we talk through the different flat fats to start with, and then do a little bit of myth busting around that? Well, um, <laughs> it's huge. I know. I, it's <laughs> this really, could be a podcast. Really, on four types of fats. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, four and a half, maybe. So, the, uh, saturated fat is tends to be solid at room t- temperature. So, butter, tallow, palm oil, coconut oil are mostly saturated. Uh, monounsaturated is liquid at room temperature, but kind of gets a bit solid when you put it in the fridge. And you think of olive oil. Uh, canola oil is also mostly monounsaturated, although I don't recommend canola hmm. oil for other reasons. Then you have the polyunsaturates. There's two types, omega-6 and omega-3. These are liquid even in the refrigerator, and they're also the most fragile of the fats. They should never be heated. And yet the processing of uh, vegetable oils involves five separate heatings, and then they tell you to cook with them. <laughs> And, and then there's the trans fats, which are the fake saturated fats. They're solid at room temperature, but they've been made out of the liquid oils by this processing that we've described. So contrary to what you've been told, the saturated fats are good and beneficial. The monounsaturated fats are okay. They're not harmful, and we need a certain amount in our bodies. The polyunsaturates we need in very small amounts, and they're in all, all, all food uh, you don't need to use vegetable oils to get the polyunsaturates. Yep. Okay. I think that answers um, answers that question. Now, the but so the animal fats though are unique in that they carry these vitamins, vitamins A, D, and K, yeah. and they're not any of the plant fats or the plant oils. So I was going to talk to you a little bit about that as well. So the vitamin, uh, it seems like there's a lot um, around ratios now. Um, you know, like the omega three to six ratio. Uh, the vitamin mm-hmm. A to D ratio. Um, yeah. Would you like to comment on that a little bit? Yeah. Well, we were the Weston A. Price Foundation was the first organization to talk about these ratios. Oh, really? In fact, uh, there was wow. a cookbook called Nourishing Traditions that was really the first to talk about these ratios. So, you want uh, a good ratio of omega six and omega three, and that can be one to one or even two to three to one omega six to omega three. But in the modern diet, it's 20 to 1, 30 to 1. Mm. And too many grains. Yeah, too many grains and too many vegetable oils because the vegetable yeah. oils are almost pure omega-6. But by the same token, it's not good to have too much omega-3. Uh, and people are overdosing on fish oils and things like that. They're getting too much omega-3. Yeah. And some of the side effects of too much omega-3 are stroke, uh, nosebleeds, uh, things like that. Wow. And how would people know if they're going too too far one way or the other? Uh, well, if you know, maybe get nosebleeds. Yeah, inside. Yeah. Okay. I, um, um, anyway, where was I? Oh, and then the vitamins. Okay, so um, there's vitamins A, D, and K, and 
we're very concerned about people taking vitamin D supplements because they can be quite harmful if it's not balanced with enough vitamin A. At the same time, if you're taking vitamin A supplements and you're not getting enough vitamin D, that can be very harmful. They, these vitamins need to be together and you get them together in certain foods like egg yolks, um, butter, liver, and so forth. Um, the cod liver oil... And we're, we only recommend certain brands of cod liver oil because a lot of them are mostly vitamin A and not enough vitamin D. Hmm. So you need to have the right ratio for those. Okay, that's good to know. Um, one more thing uh, is food sensitivities. Um, what, do you, what, do you, what are your beliefs around the testing for these um, sensitivities? Yeah, now I'm not an expert on this, but um, I believe that you get a lot of false positives. For example, they'll test you for milk and they say you're allergic to milk. Well, you probably are allergic to pasteurized yeah. milk. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you're allergic to all milk. Yeah. And I think you get a lot of, as I say, false positives, and that vectors you away from good, wholesome foods. Like you might get a, um, a positive for eggs. But yep. what kind of eggs, you know? Yeah, <laughs> is it, yeah, yeah. So is it uh, battery eggs or pastured <laughs> eggs? And a lot of times people who get the positive for eggs can do fine on the yolks, which are the best part of the egg anyway. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to come back to something. I realize I, I, I missed something uh, out there on the, the fat myth busting. So we have, um, isn't eating more saturated fat going to make me fat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, there's been studies showing that if you have the same amount of fat in one's animal and one's vegetable oils, you get fatter on the vegetable oils. Yeah. Uh, but there have been several studies with children showing that if you put them on low-fat diets or you give them low-fat dairy foods, that they will end up fatter and they'll eat more sugar yeah, yeah. Uh, than children who get the full fat. So I, that's, that's a complete myth. Uh, one of the things about butter is that it's so nourishing to the thyroid gland. And, of course, if your thyroid gland is good and healthy, you have a fast metabolism. Yeah. And you don't gain weight as easily. And aren't there some fatty acids in like coconut oil, for example, that can actually um, aid metabolism? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The type of saturated fat in coconut oil, it's called a short and medium chain fatty acid. Uh, these, your body never stores it fat. So it only yeah. they only go for energy. So um, this will perk you up. And, so it's a nice uh, little thermogenic. It is, and <laughs> actually, I use coconut oil in place of coffee. If I'm feeling sleepy, ah, I make a mug. I put a little molasses, some coconut oil, and a little Ooh. pinch of powdered ginger, and add hot water. It's Yum. dark, it's dark like uh, coffee, and um, the, but the coconut oil really wakes you up without yeah. you know, <laughs> Your adrenal glands, it just yeah. boosts your metabolism. Yeah, I can't actually eat coconut oil too late at night <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> I'm quite sensitive to that though. But Okay, um, now looking at obviously, you know, where we're meant, what we're meant to eat and how we're meant to be versus where we're at now, uh-huh. um, how do we how do we begin to bridge that gap? Because, you know, a lot of listeners um, have probably been eating um, the complete opposite of what we just talked about yeah. for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 even years. So how do we begin to, to make those um, those steps? Where would we start there? Well, I think the first thing you do is you just go through with a, a trash bag and clean out your cupboards. Yeah, because if it's there, it's going to be eaten. <laughs> yeah, start over with real food. Uh, one of the first things I tell people to do is learn how to make your own salad dressing 
which is very mm. easy. Uh, use really good olive oil, vinegar, a little mustard, you know, real good ingredients. And don't buy those bottled dressings. Now, maybe it's not so bad in New Zealand, but we have whole aisles of these dressings. I noticed America. that when I was in the States. And it, yeah. Americans are addicted to them. <laughs> and of course, when they say eat more fruits and vegetables, well, people eat salads, they put this garbage on their salads. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and when you read the ingredients in these things, it's horrendous. Yeah. Uh, so we teach people to make their own salad dressing. Another big step is to use butter, and don't be afraid of butter. Yeah. And I think the third thing would just be eat a good breakfast. Eat a good English breakfast with eggs good and bacon. Breakfast. Yeah, good Beautiful. cooked breakfast with butter on your bread. Uh, you know, start with these things. Yep. Uh, then you can fine-tune as you go along, you know. Get yeah. the sourdough bread and start eating the fermented foods, start making broth. But if you just do these few things, make your own salad dressing, eat eat butter, and have a start with a good breakfast, um, those are three easy things to do and, and extremely Fantastic. important things to do. Brilliant. Yeah, I would say try to cut down on sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one thing you find is if you eat plenty of fat with your meal, uh, with and especially butter, and put butter on everything, your plate should be swimming in butter. You won't want the dessert. You just you're yeah. full. Yeah, and you won't think of food between your meals either. No. Uh, something interesting just came up then and I think about when I first got into the fitness industry, and I think this belief still holds pretty strong. And that is the the whole high protein, low fat diet. Um, yeah, it's a very dangerous diet. Yeah, it's not only exactly. not ideal; it's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, it's extremely dangerous. There's actually something called protein poisoning, wow. and it will deplete you of vitamin A, uh, which of course is such a key vitamin. And then you find that you've got immune system dysfunction, or you know, wow. nervous disorders, or whatever, uh, brain fog. So uh, we are not a high protein diet. We're an adequate protein diet, and you definitely need some animal protein, yeah. but you don't need huge amounts of it. It's much more important to get the fats. So we don't. You know, we warn people against lean meat, skinless chicken breasts, skim milk, <laughs> uh, egg whites without the yolk. Which are, all this stuff <laughs> pretty is much really everything that every bodybuilder yeah, has. And, on and, the, <laughs> and the protein powders. The protein powders are horrible for yeah. you. Yeah, they really are quite dangerous. Especially when you're mixing it with, you know, skim milk. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. And, Which, you know, you look at the ingredients. There's a lot of sweeteners in these protein powders, yeah. a lot of things like citric acid. Um, oh, yeah, the list goes on. The list goes on, and yeah. I uh, there are a lot of them with chocolate in them too, yeah. so get your – I just remember I, I did uh, – I played sport for years, and then I switched over. I wanted to do something competitive. I did bodybuilding for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. I, I switched over to this way of um, – uh, the way we just talked about eating the, the low-fat, uh, low-sugar as well, but high-protein, and I really struggled to put you know, muscle on. I did, and I did really well, but I can remember switching over not long after when I became educated in this, actually. I think the – uh-huh. Um, your talk actually was one of the influential changes in yeah. my life. And I can remember afterwards, um, I carried on training and I almost yeah. had to look at a weight to put on muscle. It was um, it was crazy. Like I was so much really? more anabolic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Much, on, much easier. Yeah. On this diet, eh? just introducing fats, broths, fermented yeah. foods, uh, liver. Yes. Um, yes. And I was just in so much more of what I call like an anabolic state as opposed to a catabolic state. Yes, right. You weren't fighting your no, physiology. Uh, breakdown. Yeah. yeah. 
And you probably didn't have to work as hard either. I didn't. I was training less. It was it was quite mm-hmm. it was really insightful. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Actually, one of the really key vitamins for muscle tone is vitamin D. Uh-huh. And uh, if you're not if you're on a low fat diet, you're not getting enough vitamin D, and it's really uh-huh. hard to build muscle tone. Whereas if you're getting plenty of vitamin D, you actually don't have to work out to have good muscle tone. Wow. Okay. And where, where would be the 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 best sources of that in your liver? Well, and- Liver, egg yolks, cod liver oil, uh, blood, so blood sausage, things like that. Wow, that's great. Now, um, this is the big question. (laughs) Uh Uh, The final question um, is, if you could pass on one message or one piece of information, um, even an idea to every single person on this planet, what would that be? (laughs) Eat butter. (laughs) Eat, eat butter. Eat butter. <laughs> no, I love that. Don't be afraid of butter. Don't be afraid <laughs> yeah. of butter. Be I mean, that's the first step to improving your diet and yeah, to get over nice. the guilt. Yeah. Yeah, the butter guilt. That's great. Um, thank you so much, Sally. There's so well, many. Before we close, I just want to put in a plug for the Weston A. Price Foundation. Yeah. Uh, we have a beautiful new website. It's at westonaprice.org. And we depend on memberships. We don't get any government money or food industry money, so we can tell you the truth. But um, uh, especially I say this to people who have benefited from us, please support us by being a member. Um, And then my blog is called nourishingtraditions.com, so you might want to visit that. I just uh, finished a four-part series called Bringing Up Baby on Feeding Babies. Yeah. And – Great. And my, and my latest book is called Nourishing Fats, and that's just out. And you can get that from your online bookseller. So. Fantastic. Well, you answered my last question was, uh, where can people find you and what are you doing? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Um, please visit um, the, the, the websites uh, suggested, and I will include in the show notes um, some of the things we talked about, some links to okay. your pages. And oh, your books. thanks, thank you. And I'll try and, and break send down. me and send me your link, and I'll post it. Ah, definitely, yeah. yeah. And I'll um, I'll try and um, summarize the the key points of this. But there's so many. I've got a piece of paper in front of me, and I'll post this picture <laughs> soon. But it's um, it's got pictures okay. all over it. <laughs> I got really oh, creative. Okay. Um, so thanks again, Sally, for joining us um, today. Thank you, thank you yeah. for having me. It was a lot of fun. And, and uh, yeah, you're part of that wonderful group we have in New Zealand. Yes, and hopefully it Great. keeps growing. <laughs> yes, exactly. And good luck with your farming and your books. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, take thanks, care. Sally. Thank you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.